Well, hello, all of you. Uh, this is New Ways of Being podcast. My name is Raymond Posh, and we have a brand new episode today. Uh, and I'm excited about having this uh, conversation with Michaela McGivern. Good morning, Michaela. Good morning, Raymond. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, so glad to have you. Well, Michaela is a psychic, a medium, a shaman, and an energy medicine practitioner, and probably much, much more than that. I She has a very uh, interesting and broad background, but uh, Michaela, the way I usually get started, I, I don't know if you've seen any of my shows, but I would like to have you, you know, start out by telling us about yourself and uh, your your story, you know, what kind of happened to you in your life that led you to uh, this point in time and, and what you're doing now. Obviously, you're doing those things, but uh, yeah, let us let us uh, hear how you're, hear your story. Yeah. Thank you. I started in the Midwest. I came from a family of six kids, and I spent a great deal of time outside as a child. It was way smarter to be outside than inside our very chaotic, dysfunctional house. So I developed a really unique and special relationship with spirit quite young. Because I was outside so much, I could really feel the water, the trees, the wind, the clouds. So to me, that actually was my experience of the divine. And I didn't have any doubts that that was how what people called God worked. And um, I didn't share this with people in my family because it just seemed that wouldn't fly very well. And as I, when I was a kid, I was able to see angels and souls on the disembodied plane. And again, I didn't talk about that because it just didn't feel like there was a context for it. Mm. So my family was Catholic and at that point, I didn't know quite how that was all going to fly. And then in college, I had a pretty wild experience where I heard a voice when I woke up and I was studying, and I was really scared. It was a friendly voice, but I thought that, oh, you know, I, I was taking Psych 101, and I thought I'm having a schizophrenic break. So I ran to the psychologist's office, and she was very reassuring. And she was like, she wasn't freaked out, but I wasn't prepared to deal with that. You know, so I just shut that down. And I was a very, my interest was in religious studies and philosophy. I'd always been curious about spirit from the very beginning. And then um, I needed to leave college because my mother decided that having um, a major in religious studies and philosophy wasn't going to pay the bills. So <laughs> she said, she said, you need to pick a practical major. And I was in a liberal arts school and I was really at a loss. Yep. And I remembered I'd volunteered in an occupational therapy clinic. I said, fine, I'll go do that. I liked medicine. I liked science. I liked people. I said, okay, fine. <laughs> and that's how, I, that's how I chose to be an occupational therapist. My mother basically went, you're going this way. And I went, oh, okay. And it actually was a good fit for me. So my first um, 10 years as an occupational therapist I dealt with a lot of head trauma. 
uh, neurologically injured people. Must that was our our basic um, patient base. But in the latter years, I also worked in hospice and I worked in home care in San Francisco, which I really loved. Um, I particularly enjoyed the hospice work because people are very, they were very open. It was during the AIDS epidemic. And there were a lot of people who were very willing to accept support on transitioning and to be open. And my job was basically to support them and keep them more comfortable. But I also had these really profound conversations with them about what it meant to die, how to part with their families and their loved ones. And it was like the most meaningful work I had done. Wow. Even though I loved all the, the neuro stuff. Um, and so I did that. And then I, I also worked as an expert witness in head trauma for lawyers. So it was really diverse and fun. And then I got married and moved to Europe for 10 years. I was in England for a while and in Belgium. And during that time, I, I wasn't able to work. And I had a couple kids. And during that time, I was exposed to a lot of, quote, alternative therapies. So osteopathy, cranial work, uh, kinesiology, flower essences, essential oils. And then that expanded into energy medicine with a physician that I worked with. And so all the time, like, oh, this is this just seemed so natural to me. So when I came back to the States in 20, no, 2000, I really just jumped in with all, all four feet into energy medicine, intuition, hands-on healing work. And I've been studying ever since. So when I came back in 2000, I had to have a job. I didn't. So I worked part-time as a therapist and then part-time in private practice doing energy work. So, and I finally retired in 2020 as an occupational therapist, and now I'm semi-retired, but I do energy work. So I do space clearings for houses and land and hmm. psychic readings and healings. And sometimes like today, the psychic reading and the healing and the mediumship all came together because it was about a family who had some old stuff that had happened a thousand years ago that was still being acted out. So it's fascinating and fun. So I really enjoy what I do because it's when I, I just show up for work and then I just see how things unfold. And <laughs> it's always miraculous to watch and to be part of and to, and to facilitate for people. So they feel much, much better, of course, afterwards. Yes. Wow. Well, uh, I love the story and uh, you know, it's interesting how many spiritual people that I have on as guests on my show um, were raised as Catholic. I was raised as Catholic and, uh, and I took, you know, and it, almost everyone takes a very different path through life. And, uh, uh, but so many spiritual people were raised as Catholic with, uh, in most cases, they no longer consider themselves Catholic because they moved beyond what that was. So very interesting. Yeah, interesting story of your life. Now, when did the guides uh, that you channel, uh, when did that experience begin? It's hard to put my finger on. I think they were trying to show up when I was in college, but I was just not ready. I was like, I was so freaked out. Like, um, 
I didn't have a teacher. I didn't have a context for understanding it. So I, I wasn't prepared to deal with it. Um, I think they started showing up probably in the mid nineties. Hmm. So when I started learning how to do applied kinesiology and using a pendulum and flower essences, I began to know things. And there's a company called Paralandra and they have, they make flower essences. They were initially associated with Findhorn, which is up in Scotland. Mm -hmm. you, you know that community? Yes, I've heard of it. Yeah. So in Finhorn, they developed Golan, maybe 40 years ago or more, I'm not sure, what was called the Medical Assistance Program. And essentially, they taught you how to connect with your own healing guides. It's called the MAP, Medical Assistance Program. And you can still buy their book on the MAP. And you could do a MAP session. So, for example, I was with a friend of mine. I was going into Brussels and this gigantic car just ran a red light and T-boned me. It was actually more like an SUV truck. Just T-boned us out of the blue. And we were just going through the green light. It came from the left. And we actually made it out okay. I mean, the car was demolished, but we were okay. And so what we both did is we opened up a map session. So we each had our own healing guides. Because... The people in the ambulance and in the ER, they weren't too savvy. They, you know, I had to tell them, oh, we're in shock. Could we have a blanket? Can you elevate our feet? I'm like, they just didn't get it. So we both did a map session on ourselves while we were going through this after we got out of the car, got into the ambulance, we're sitting in the emergency room. And it was so profound that the next day, I was able to have my friends come over because I am a singer-songwriter. And I was recording a children's album and we were doing it in my house. Mm -hmm. So the night before the car had just been T-boned and we were at the ER, but I had to basically show up and sing and get everybody through this recording at my house and cook for them. And that's when I really became aware of how we have different guides for different things, but that map team saved my hide. My <laughs> voice wasn't, perfect but it was good enough and everything went and I think had I not had those guides those healing guides I would not have been able to do what I did so that was really a very formal introduction in a sense and, and a place of using them and then over the years um, I have other guides that have shown up many of them uh, related to the Buddhist tradition the Christian tradition some out of the all different traditions angelic realms so they just keep showing up and they so i have a team of about 14 guides that i work with all the time now but that was how i first got introduced to the concept of guides wow well and um you know what i've what i've been learning in uh talking to guests who are uh, channelers or or you know work with guides in some form that so seems like everyone and I I've only recently begun to have a, some experiences along that lines conversations with angels but um that everyone you know has a different kind of experience with it. I mean some people channel huge amounts of information at once you know as, maybe as a whole conversation um and and maybe publish it as a book 
some kind of get a tap on the shoulder and, you know, receive insights and, and uh, guidance. And some are able to um, uh, hear channeled responses when they're interacting with a client, like mm -hmm. in a co coaching mode or a, mm -hmm. uh, a, a session, a psychic session of some type. And um, so are you kind of in that latter category? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I cross a lot about uh, boundaries, I guess you'd say. So when I'm working, sometimes I hear things. If I'm doing a mediumship session, I often will hear and see the person, but I also can feel them in my body, what they're experiencing. And that's kind of wild. Um, sometimes I just know something. And sometimes, so it depends on what the situation is. Um, so I was working with a client this morning and she had some difficulties going on in her family. And I said, well, let's look at when this initially got set up. Well, it was like, you know, 1089 AD, you know, it's quite a while ago, you know, when this first dilemma or, or challenge actually with a conflict and a really sad event happened. And then those events just keep going forward. Well, I just kind of saw the picture of what was going on. And then I use this really cool dowsing rod, which is absolutely fabulous. Oh. Kind of helps me tap in a little bit more, but I, so I use a variety of tools to access information. And sometimes this is downloaded. So I don't know if this is appropriate, but this is what I literally just heard that I was supposed to share with your, your audience. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, so I've been working with a spiritual teacher named Miranda McPherson for uh, 12, 13 years. She's a non-dualist teacher in California. She's beautiful. And one of her students' name was Neil Rogan, who was actually a spiritual teacher in his own right. Hmm. And he passed in December. And I didn't actually know Neil, and I never worked with him. Mm -hmm. We have, we're online since 2020, but prior to that, it was always in person. I never really met Neil, but I knew of him and that people loved him dearly. So he showed up and he said, okay, I want you to channel this message. So is it okay if I read that? It's okay. So it's a message for everyone, not just your friend there? No. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. Go ahead. He, said, he says, this is for all my Sangha measure, excuse me, to all my Sangha friends and beyond, which is why I know it was okay to share. This message is for you. In the time of winter, when we seem to be closed off and withdrawn, I'm reaching out to remind you about the power of love. How appropriate this week. I've asked that this transmission from me be shared with you and anyone else that you think would benefit from it. People need to know that there is love, hope, and healing after they leave their bodies. The mystery is so much bigger than we can imagine, and the depth of love is beyond our comprehension as humans. It is a magnificent force of light, nature, and transcendence that describes magic in words that we cannot possibly embody unless we've gone to this realm and remember. It is our essence to shine this brightly. It is our birthright to know that we are loved profoundly and deeply by everything in the universe. It is a practice to remember that we are loved and wake up to knowing that every day. 
so that we can embody it with everything and everyone that we touch with our hearts. Share this on the Sangha page if you like, as I think it will inspire those who are feeling disconnected or perhaps isolated. They need to know that the thread of love is the broadest river of love that I've ever witnessed, that runs through everything, everyone, all the galaxies and universes. And this is the truth of reality. So with all my deepest love, Neil. And then I wrote something. This is from me. I said, after I received this transmission from Neil, I recognize that I feel an energy and connection to my heart that I have never felt before, except when in a state of panic. I feel the intensity of my heart beating beyond its normal parameters, as if my system has been plugged into a 440 watt energy oh. booster. <laughs> it was intense. <laughs> this powerful vibrational frequency has gone beyond my chest and into my abdomen and beyond. It's unfamiliar, but very enlightening. I have to surrender to the discomfort and just watch how it's unfolding in me. It feels like the force of the universe has entered my heart and is pulsing me into a new rhythm. There's no mind, only the feeling and awareness of the power of this enormous love that is pulsing through me. I am being pulsed by the universal love. I'm so grateful to Neil for bringing this transmission of love and his message. And I hope that it will touch others as well. May it touch your heart in new ways. Wow. Thank you. That's absolutely beautiful. Uh, both. Uh, it was Logan, right? That that was from? Rogan. R-O-G-I-N. Oh, uh, Rogan. Oh, okay. And Neil's first name is N-E-A-L. Neil Rogan. And mm. his, he's written a book. And I haven't read it. But... Here's the essence of what Neil wanted to share from beyond the, the body. Okay. Well, so uh, again, thank you for that uh, message from uh, Neil Rogan and uh, your message as well. Both very beautiful, very meaningful. Uh, of course, I, I believe that love is so important and so um, powerful at any time if we stop and pay attention. And that's exactly what um, both of you were saying in those messages. So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. I guess Neil was working Neil was working overtime for me to share that because I haven't done that with anyone else. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so and that's interesting because, uh, what, so you've kind of answered the question that I had asked. Uh, one is uh, you you uh, receive information and guidance in many different ways, but you also can receive a, a transmission, a, a message intact, and that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm amazed at what channels can do. Uh, you know, and or or psychic. You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of inter interrelated. I'm understanding, but. Uh, Yes. Do you do that? Do you do that often? Share that kind of message? Um, yes and no. So let me let me answer the no part. If I'm not working, I don't tend to read people and things because it's A, I haven't been invited, B, it's not my business, and C, I'd be exhausted. 
Okay. Right. So I have clean, firm boundaries. When I'm working, I'm, the doors are open. However, sometimes, particularly people who have crossed over, will come and they will have a message for me. Sometimes they come in and I don't feel so great, which is not my favorite way to, to know that they're here. I wish they'd just go, you know, tap me on the shoulder, but that doesn't seem to be the way it happens. Um, other times I will, so if I'm working with a client, I'm just a wide open book and I'm ready, willing, and able to receive information that is for their highest good. And that is my intention in the session. Um, but I also receive guides for myself. I mean, we would not be in North Carolina if my guides had basically not said to me, it's time to leave now. Hmm. Wow. So I, I have learned that spirit works in very clear ways. And I've been operating my life from this for a long time. It's why I left Europe and how I got back to the States and many, many other ways. But it's not one skill set or five or 10. I think, Raymond, as I've expanded my awareness of different realms and possibilities, and I'm just open to spirit and guidance, I receive it in more and more and more ways. So it's not, we all can do this. So it's just a matter of, are we open and willing to accept it, receive it, and just keep following guidance. So for me, being on a spiritual path has been really essential to trusting that the universe is a loving, friendly place and willing to guide me. And it does. The other part of that equation is if I don't listen and make time, I don't receive the guidance for myself. <laughs> Unless... Something like, you know, I got knocked over by the, by the dogs because I wasn't really paying attention. So, you know, sometimes I'm not tuned in. Sometimes I am. Mm -hmm. I'm just, just another human. Yes. Well, some, some very interesting things, you know, about what you just said. I mean, one is uh, I've really been learning that a key part of of this, uh, you know, psychic ability or ability to talk with angels or to feel that you're in contact with spirit or the divine um, is it depends on being open and allowing it to happen. Uh, Precisely. It seems to be a big, big key. And, you know, the way we uh, get programmed in life and, and the way we grow up and the way most people are in the world is uh, they're all wrapped up in mental process, you know, and trying to uh, process what's going on in life. Uh, most people do not stop to be open and aware. There's, they're in, in thinking mode. But if we can make that shift, then all kinds of things can begin to happen, you know, and kind of the, the other thing that you noted, you, you mentioned there about your own self. Well, sometimes we have to remind ourselves to oh, stop and take a little bit of time to breathe and open and allow um, because we can get right back into being all wrapped up in what's going on. So. Right? Absolutely. 
Absolutely the truth. <laughs> I, I need a lot of reminders on that one. Yes. All right. Now I'd like to, to shift and spend some time. You've, you touched on what you as, do as a medium and, uh, it dawned on me that I have never, I've had mediums on several different times. And, and one of the things they, they, <laughs> they've done is tried to clarify to me the difference between being a medium and being a psychic or, you know, or in those modes of being. And, um, but I've never really explored much uh, in a, in a show like this about, what you've learned and experienced in being a medium. Now, mm -hmm. I, I know what it is. I mean, you're, mm -hmm. you're being a conduit on behalf of a, a client or someone else who wants to know about someone who has passed and, um, and, you know, they just, they, they may, maybe they need something to, you know, to, feel better about themselves or maybe they just are curious about being on the other side but i've never really dug into that too much and i so what is your perspective about the afterlife and um uh, what happens after transitioning i love this huge question <laughs> yeah that yeah it really is it's a, an enormous question I think there are a lot, there are perhaps as many different avenues in how you go about the afterlife as there are how you live. I think there's one very common experience that people have who have an awareness that we really return to spirit. We go back, which is love. That's what Neil was saying. It, you know, call love God, spirit, Yahweh, call it whatever you prefer as the divine. And that's where we return to, but it's also experienced as light. You know, many people have written about going through the tunnel, going through the life review, going into the light and being greeted by people on the other side. That does happen for people. Absolutely. It doesn't happen for everyone is what my experience is. And recently, um, I have been questioning what I do, but not in a bad way. Because somebody said, really, what I am is a death walker. And I didn't know what that meant. Say that so again. What, what was the word? Death walker. Oh, okay. So what I will do occasionally, not all the time, is I will help the people who don't know where to go when they've left their bodies to cross over into the light. So sometimes those folks, this is the more unusual part of mediumship the people i don't hear people talk about because i have a shamanic background i understand about different realms and dimensions and possibilities and i can track people where they are i'm able to reach people who don't know how to go to the light so sometimes they're attached to other people which doesn't work too well for anybody because it depletes the person they're attached to and doesn't help them transition and move on and grow as souls. So sometimes I facilitate a process where they basically detach from that person. And then I use Archangel Michael or some loved ones, or I help them get into the light if they're willing to go. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. It's, it's really very helpful. 
it's really good, good, good service work. Then you know, that's, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah. So the, the thing that, uh, that I've learned is that it's not like a, uh, a bind. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a case of, you know, people always have the same kind of experience at all. And often I've learned that it's very dependent on people's beliefs that that very much uh, determines what happens after death because we are creators, whether we know it or not, and we create our own circumstances even after death. Um, so that seems to be what you're confirming there, that that does happen. Yeah. And, um, and and it's interesting what you said about people not wanting to let go of people mm-hmm. still uh, still alive. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's my experience too, is that if you believe you're, you've been a bad person, you're going to go to hell because you were raised in some kind of faith that told you there's either heaven or hell or you've been damned because of what you've done, then you will find yourself maybe stuck somewhere, maybe in a darker realm, and you don't really have a sense of there's a loving presence called spirit that really is not invested in what you did that is, of course, available to you to heal. So I have I have helped many of those beings who have felt pretty poorly about themselves when they died. Suicide is one place where I have done a fair amount of work. Generally speaking, when people suicide they take their own life, they are in a very, very painful dark place and they don't see another option. They can't feel that loving presence. Hmm. And so as soon as they leave, they're going, holy mackerel, what have I done? And there's usually regret, remorse, shame. They're looking around, seeing all these people who are affected. They suddenly realize at some point they were loved. They realize that they did, it wasn't a great idea. But they don't know what to do because they're, in a sense, they're shocked by their own decision and how abruptly their life ended. It can also happen when there's like a sudden death or or a really um, dramatic accident. People are like, wait a minute, I'm not prepared to to transition. What am I doing here? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when I will figure out where that person is. Are they in a, a dark underworld? Are they attached to somebody? Are they just wandering around here? Are they further out? You know, are they confused? It happens also with dementia. People with dementia, when they leave their bodies, they're not necessarily, some are really connected in with the spiritual world and some aren't. So they're another example of somebody who's really confused and does and needs some help. So that's a particular um, way that I work as a medium, is I, that's a piece of the work. Um, so I would agree with you, you know, when I, about cultural uh, upbringing, defining how you feel you, what happens to you after you die. So in the Jewish faith, you know, you die and that's it. But hmm. they get to the other, where they leave their bodies, they're going, okay, now what? And some of them experience the light and some are don't don't. So that's an example of where, if you don't have a sense of the afterlife, it, it can be a really challenging um, issue. 
the other area I don't talk about too much, but I'm going to because I'm being told to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> is, and I I know somebody this happened to. She was in a lot of emotional, psychological, spiritual turmoil during her life. Very abused, difficult person, sometimes amazing and other times really, really challenged and challenging. And when she passed, she had a lot of dark energies that were attached to her. Hmm. Well, the dark energies aren't really interested in going to the light. Because if you if you send them to the light, then what are they going to do? They don't have a host, right? Because they're parasitic. So I tried many times to assist this person with letting go of the dark energies, but they had a very strong hold on her. And so she was really not in a good space after she died for a long time. Wow. For a few years. Eventually, she kind of came around and was willing to go. But it was like three, four years. Wow. So I, I knew this person pretty well. And that was really an interesting process to observe where somebody took their dark energies with them. And that happens like in suicide as well. A lot of people who are suicidal or maybe have been doing drugs and overdose will have dark energies that are attached. So they really wind up in some difficult spaces. You know, so... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you're bringing up some really interesting things here. Number one, backing up a little bit about suicides. Um, you know, I, of course, most Christians believe that that is seriously wrong, and Catholics, of course, believe it's mortal sin. I don't, I don't know exactly how other denominations think about it, but um, but what I know is that you know. In reality, no, God understands totally why they're wanting to escape. There's, I would say, forgiveness, although uh, God simply understands, doesn't forgive, and, uh, doesn't have to forgive. But, um, I, I mean, have you experienced that as well? I mean, that suicides can be received? Absolutely. With, because... Yeah, I would I would agree with your assessment as well. It's my experience that spirit doesn't have a right and wrong. People do. And yeah. it's a way we create right and wrong for some moral codes, but then also it's a control mechanism, okay? Right. So it depends on how far out it goes. You know, I won't go into the, the political ramifications <laughs> of this because that's going to be a really dangerous conversation. Yes. But, but spirit doesn't view it as right or wrong because... We're here for an infinite number of lifetimes to experience all different things. Taking our lives, taking someone else's life, being the witness to that, being a perpetrator, being a victim, being a witness. I mean, they're all different ways to experience love or the absence of love. And it's a, a, they're all wake-up calls. So you go to Earth to be in school to learn about all these different ways you can be. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't any right or wrong. And right. so there is, from my perspective, there isn't anything to be forgiven. And anybody who has suicided has needed a tremendous amount of love, kindness, and support. And they obviously didn't get it for whatever reason. But that doesn't make them wrong because ultimately all of us, when we're acting out, whether we're being a jerk or we're being rude or we're being, 
you know, pathological killer are acting out of deep pain where our needs are not being met. And when you can see people on that level, it really changes the, the um, landscape. And when you bring compassion to it, that's what's really needed, not accusation and blame and shame. They need support. And most recently, I can say for myself, I really recognized that I was going through a very difficult time for a number of years, and I did not know how to ask for help and support, and I was acting out. Mm. People didn't recognize that I was really acting out because I needed wow. help, but I didn't know how to ask for it. So I was just being a jerk. Yeah. But that was the truth. I was hurting. And when I, it really has shifted my perspective of really waking up and seeing this, that I didn't know how, I was too proud, was afraid to ask, you know, all these are the reasons I didn't get it. But I'm no different from anybody else. That we basically need love and support when we're having a tough time. On this side or that side, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, well, uh, so uh, a couple more things. Yeah, you, this is very interesting. Um, so you mentioned that uh, the, the that one person you were describing as having spiritual turmoil uh, experience continued to, to deal with that after transitioning for a long period of time. And you said, you know, several years. Um, but it's, you know, it's my understanding that that time perspective would be your perspective was it was several years. Do you have a sense of, of is there a time perspective on the other side? I've, you know, I kind of have an understanding that, no, there's not time as we experience it on Earth, but I don't know what they do experience, <laughs> of course. So... I would agree. They don't have the same time perspective <laughs> because we construct, we came up with the idea of time as humans, mm -hmm. just basically to, you know, we have a, a, a sun that rises and falls. Thank goodness. You know, like here's the beginning, here's the end of a day, you know? So, so we wanted to find some order in our life. So we create time. It works pretty well as a concept. Once you leave this dimension, at least I'm not sure about another dimensions, but I think the concept of time doesn't really exist because he, we humans fabricated that for the third dimension. But what I do observe is this flow of energy that beings sort of move into. And they're really, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Um, for example, my father passed in 1985. Somebody else could do the math. That was a long time ago. Um, and from my experience, my father was not available to come talk to me until maybe 10 years ago, 15. He was busy doing other things. Hmm. And yet Neil, D Neil Rogan died in, in December and he shows up in, what was the message? Uh, February? No, he showed up, looking at the date here, I don't know, in January, you know, six weeks later. So it depends on kind of what people are up to. My father had a lot of PTSD from World War II. So who knows? Maybe he was working that stuff out. I don't really know. But he wasn't ready. And he wasn't a very spiritual man. So maybe he had to awaken on different levels. And it took more time, as I perceive it, than Neil, who was like, oh, yeah, I can go anywhere. I can do anything. Yeah, I'm in the love. I'm in the light. Like, this is just a cool journey because he'd done a lot of spiritual work in his 
physical life. So my, my feeling is there isn't a sense of time, but there is an awareness and consciousness that evolves as people cross over. So I, for example, my mom died in 2012. Okay. And uh, she's come to me a number of times. And each time she comes, she has a message which is more in alignment with taking responsibility for her negative actions, making amends, apologies, and eventually passing on some wisdom. But mm. she had to evolve from where she was when she passed. So souls keep evolving and learning on the other side too. And I've witnessed her doing that as well, just like my father did, which is really cool. Uh, that is cool. Wow. And uh, do you know, is there a sense of space or place in the spirit realm? Oh, are they attached? Some attached to the earth, uh, you know, stay close to the earth or that kind of yeah. thing. What's what's going on? Some spirits do. Um, I was working with a client last month and her husband was in her garden. Oh. And he was in the bird feeder. No, wait. Was he the turkey? I had one client whose husband hung around, and he was a turkey in her backyard, and she was horrified, like, a turkey? <laughs> How can that be? And so I, I'm, like, doing this reading in person. So I said, hang on, can I just look up what turkey medicine is? She was like, oh, <laughs> we just died laughing. So I look up turkey medicine faithful, honoring, takes care of other people, a great, great leader. And it was like exactly who her husband was. So then she went, okay. <laughs> and another woman's husband showed up in her garden as a bird also. And it was a funny bird. I can't pull it out of my head right now. But, and then she started laughing. She goes, well, of course, that makes total sense. So um, a lot of people decide they're going to hang around to support their loved ones. And that comes from a place of love and compassion, usually, and a desire to support. Other people hang around because they're too scared to go and they just like glommed onto you. It's like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> that's not so helpful. Um, some people hang around because they don't know where to go. So yeah, a lot of, so haunted houses are example of people that have not transitioned they think that that's their place. They don't understand that the realms are actually energetic resonating fields. They think they're places. So they hang on to the hotel or the house where they died because they think that's home. In some traditions, like in the indigenous traditions, some of them will go back and stay on the land because that is their concept of kind of mother earth creation energy. So that is returning to spirit. So again, it depends on your religious, spiritual, cultural uh, orientation. Um, but I don't think, from my experience in traversing different planes and dimensions, there are definitely different galaxies and dimensions, and they have a vibrational quality to them, but they're not dense like this world. So mm -hmm. the farther out you go, the lighter the energy and the less density. Earth is very, very dense. Hence why we use words, which are really slow way to communicate. 
as you move off this plane and go to other planes, it becomes telepathic. It's just, it's movement. It's light. Wow. Vibration. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've heard um, the, uh, the medium who has shared information from uh, Wayne Dyer to his family. And uh, Wayne talked about, you know, doing things. Uh, it sounds like they can travel through the universe, uh, do many different things. And again, it depends on their own perspective and uh, their own consciousness, uh, their own beliefs, et cetera. Absolutely. Wow. Very fascinating. Well, I wanted to ask also about um, you. I saw something where you talked about uh, the difference between empathy and compassion. Would you expand on that a bit? You know, I think I have a sense of what what empathy is, and I have an a sense of compassion. I um, and I, you know, I I guess I would think that there's some relationship, but uh but they're different as well. So, but yeah, what, what, where do you talk about this and, and, and what's your perspective? Um, I define compassion as holding a space of loving awareness and being with somebody's, but that's all you're doing. So you're being a witness. When I say that's all you're doing, that is phenomenal because all of us just want to be heard, seen and held without any agenda, and hopefully with love. So if I'm being compassionate for someone, I'm just holding them how they are being, but not getting in their face, not merging with them, not going, oh yeah, me too, or I know just what you're talking about. Oftentimes people, so if you're empathic, you can feel someone else's pain. But A, they haven't given you permission to get into their energy structure and to feel that. And B, it oftentimes really creates a murkiness in the energetic exchange between people. So we've all had the experience of being around somebody and all we, we just keep wanting to back up because their energy is just flooding us or perhaps intruding on us or it's just like it's way too big. That can happen also with empathy. Somebody wants to help fix, control, do something because somebody else is in pain. So their, their empathic part of them kind of goes over to the other person, sucks it up, and then wants to fix it. But in fact, it creates more chaos than not. Mm. Worry is the same thing. Oh, I'm worried about so-and-so. The yeah. worry energy actually goes into somebody else and it tells the other person, I don't think you're competent to deal with the problem. I'm worried that you're going to fail. Okay. Versus, okay, if this person's struggling with something, you hold them with compassion. And there's a trust that that loving compassion will actually support them to sort it out. Empathy is often connected to emerging of energies, which creates poor boundaries and an attempt to try to fix or to control or to do something that isn't their business to fix control or do so being an empath generally means that you kind of don't know where you begin and end hmm. 
which ultimately can create all kinds of difficulties for both parties, but particularly for the empath because they're sucking up other people's energy that is probably depleting their own. So the alternative or the antidote to empathy, not saying, is to hold compassion. It also creates a way to hold really deep suffering, like what's going on in the Ukraine, what went, went on in Israel and in the Gaza Strip. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Right. I personally don't want to be an empath and suck all that up, but I really can hold them with loving awareness and compassion, right. which is another resonance that does go out to them. So everything we do ripples out. So if I send worry, it just keeps going, worried, the mom and the dad, the child, whatever. It's not constructive. Empathy actually kind of short, uh, what do I want to say, has a, um, what's the word? When you, it blows out the fuses. <laughs> it's like, oh, this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> but compassion allows room for everything. Whether it's with, with somebody like Putin, who is doing things that I can't wrap my head around, or what's going on, you know, with all kinds of situations, domestic violence, animal abuse, you know, poisoning the earth. I mean, you, there's a lot of things you could be empathetic about. Right. But if you hold it with compassion, you're not going to, you're also, in my experience, when you hold it with compassion, you're holding it with the love of the universe, and you're not doing it all alone. Right. Yeah, thanks for that explanation. You know, um, I'm th I'm thinking of a, a couple of people who are uh, definitely empaths and um, and spiritual teachers. You know, who have talked about uh, emp being empathic and uh, and like um, Matt Kahn, he he's a spiritual teacher and and he he talks about the issue that some of that that you just described that empaths tend to uh, take on too much from other people and then, and not know how to deal with it. And uh, so and that's a helpful explanation. I, I don't consider myself an empath, although, you know, I have empathy for other people, certainly, and uh, other situations, and, you know, oftentimes deep concern. But uh, I like your answer about compassion and that view. You know, I've kind of always thought of compassion as understanding, but holding space is something more powerful than just understanding. I, I, I like that a lot, holding space for other people and holding space for yourself even so self-compassion is big it's and it's beyond just holding space all it's literally holding it with a loving awareness without that so if i have compassion for myself for things that i went through when i was younger it's like really getting oh that was difficult yeah that wasn't right okay yeah you, you just get it so it's the understanding plus the loving awareness that okay yes it was it was how it was without the love i think compassion for me feels empty <laughs> so it's a, it's a really hard thing to define 
Um, but that's but that combination, I think, understanding with love just opens up the whole space for everybody. Okay. So we're we're beginning to run short on time. Um, and I'd love to keep this conversation going for a long time, but I'm trying to stay aware of the time here. Um, I all oftentimes like to ask people about uh, how they approach awareness with clients and uh, other people that you might work with. Um, but, you know, so I think self-awareness is so important and oftentimes people do need help in understanding that and, and focusing on their own self-awareness. Now, do you, do you deal with that particular issue with people? Absolutely. <laughs> it's core. <laughs> um, you know, the work I do in one-on-one -on -one sessions or whatever it is, I tend to go for what's the absolute core nugget that the person's ready to work on. And I think self-awareness is also combined with self-responsibility, owning your own stuff. And not everybody's willing to. But the more willing you are to accept you've got a shadow, you've got ego patterns, you've got childhood wounds that still run the show, you know, you've got these little idiosyncratic things or these obsessive things, or you're still in victim. The more we're willing to really embrace those, the easier it is to just accept ourselves and also to heal from it. I think when there's a lot of resistance, it's very difficult to be self-aware. If, if, you know, we all know people, that just, they don't want to have the deep discussions. They do not want to own their stuff. And that's, that's their business. They don't have to do that this lifetime. Maybe they, they'll never do it. Maybe they will. Mm. And other people, they really want to dig deep and go, okay, what is this really about? So I think for me, I've been on a self-awareness path for a really, really long time, probably since my early 20s when I started therapy to unravel mm -hmm. the insanity of my household. <laughs> and I still do sessions from myself. I do trades with people. I still get help. I'm still training. I'm still learning. So I think the level of self-awareness can go from how do I get out of this mess? How do I heal from my family? How do I heal from these karmic wounds? And how do I heal myself in relation to the whole earth and, and humanity? There's all kinds of levels because basically what I'm going with through is what a lot of the world is going through. We're not really separate. So the more I learn about self-awareness, the more I realize how interconnected everything is. And the more I keep healing myself and with consciousness that I am part of this universe, the, the more it contributes to the healing of the whole. Excellent. Very good. Uh, explanation yeah you just, you make me think you know uh yeah i think we all have to keep working on ourselves uh we never get to a point of knowing all the answers and and you know it's so easy to uh have issues that well like for example from the perspective of, of a spouse well they may think of not dealing with you know I'm not dealing with something that I should be dealing with or dealing with it in the right way. There's always new things to learn from other people in the world and from circumstances in the world. And um, uh, that always starts with self-awareness, you know, being 
aware of what's going on and how's it affecting me and what's my, you know, what's my role in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, very, you know, I, I, I love the, the world of spirituality. Uh, My, I, I had a podcast called our spiritual life and uh, that uh, went for four years and uh, it's still out there available, but um, it was about general spirituality and very broad and different people near need to hear different things, uh, different uh, types of information, different, uh, different forms of information to learn and to experience and, and grow in their own way. Um, in this podcast, new ways of being, I'm focusing much more on, on how we can be in the world. And I think even in our conversation today, we're, we've talked about some interesting things about what, what's going on on the other side. But all of those insights that we can get from those, uh, you know, from inf- like from information from you of what you've learned and experienced, gives us new ways to respond and think about how we can be in the world. So I hope that's the case. And, uh, <laughs> um, but the, the other part that I talk about a lot is awakening. And I don't know if we have time left to go into that, but any, any quick thoughts about awakening? I think that, the more deeply I go into spirituality, the more I realize that the door to awakening is recognizing when the ego is running the show Mm -hmm. or my heart is running it. Mm. Because when I'm aligned with my heart, I'm aligned with spirit and I'm aligned with the truth of my being. And when I'm aligned with my ego, I am on a very different trajectory. So for me, awakening is really about healing the young childhood wounds that set up these dysfunctional patterns or survival patterns or defense patterns or whatever patterns you've got going just to to get by in life that aren't serving us to be kind and compassionate and loving with everybody else. So I think my awakening process, I did for many years. I sat in a Zen community and I I worked hard, but I couldn't become awake because for me, what I had to awaken to was what the wisdom of my heart was. And I still believe in all the Buddhist principles and feel very Buddhist, but that practice didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. My heart was the part that needed to be healed and opened. And the more I work with looking at the barriers and the defenses and the wounds in the heart that block me from feeling love, the more awake I feel connected to the trees, to the birds, to the air, the more connected I feel to spirit in all the forms that shows up. So that's been my path of awakening is really to deconstruct the ego, keep my heart open, own my stuff and ask for help. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's how I'm doing it. <laughs> Very good, very good, and I and I love your perspective there. And I, um, I think I may have to have you come back, and we'll talk about 
awakening and, and maybe a bunch of other things uh, that lead from that another time. Uh, but but with that, I think we need to come to an end. Uh, it has been a joy, Michaela, to have you here on the show and to talk about, uh, you know, especially what you've shared, all of your wisdom, your experiences um, is that's good for people to hear and to learn from. Any final tip for the listeners? Yeah. This is what I'm learning and I've heard from my own teachers and can feel. We are going into an extremely chaotic phase of evolution or devolution. And when people stay anchored in their spiritual practices, when they stay focused on love and kindness and tend to choose uh, things that nourish them physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, it's going to be a lot easier to ride this wave. So stay anchored in the things that nourish you, the things that cause anxiety, panic, and fear. Imbibe less of them or not at all. And be grateful because most of us and all of us are very blessed in all these different ways, shapes, and forms. So that's, that's my message. That's, that's what I'm about at the moment because it is a wild ride. <laughs> yes, yes, and I agree. Well, thank you so much for that. And thanks for being here today. Thank you. It's been really lovely as being with you and answering these terrific questions. Thank you so, so much. Very good. Yeah. And I, I will mention, since I'm looking at it right now, your website is Michaela, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A, McGivern.com. And um, any, any place else that people should look for you? No, I'm not on social media that much anymore for the exact reason I said it just doesn't nourish and feed me anymore. And I can say, though, if people are interested in figuring out if we're a good fit, they can go to my website and under scheduling, they can book a complimentary 30-minute discovery call. So we can talk to each other and see if we're a good fit and if I can be of assistance. Or it's a, a way to kind of check it out a little bit more and see if it works for you. Thank you so much, Raymond. It's been a pleasure. Great. Well, thank you again. And to you and the listeners, have a great day and a great life. <laughs>